And uh, in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus talks about time and his relationship to it. You know, January 1, you know, we're thinking about the day, the time, and all that. And uh, Jesus is Lord of time. And I've talked to you about this in the past, but, you know, Jesus, Jesus existed before time, and he's the creator of time. He's the one who made the sun to rise and set, and he called that day. Called that the first day. And then he, then the next day, you know, when the sun rose and set, he called that the second day. Right? And so he's the one who authored time as we know it. Now, I don't think he's all that interested in daylight savings time or standard time or eastern time or mountain time. You know, that's, that's man's uh, way of dividing things up. But he is, he is the author of all time. Therefore, he's the Lord and master of time. We have instances in the scripture where he, where he stopped time. In order for Joshua to fight a battle in the valley, in the, in the, you know, uh, he, the sun was about to go down and Joshua was prevailing. And if the sun had set, then, then they would have had to continue to fight the next day and the enemy would have had a chance to regroup. And so Moses says, God, you got to do something here. And God just stopped. He just stopped the earth's rotation. He's, he stopped everything and, uh, until Joshua could uh, finish the fight. And when Joshua finished the fight, then God let the sun go down. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, I don't care what you believe. It's in my Bible, and I believe the Bible. And you, believe more, you believe things that are stranger than that. So, uh, you know, uh, don't look at me like that. And then there's another time when, uh, you know, I think it was uh, Jehoshaphat, where, where God actually turned the clock back. He actually, moved, he actually uh, stopped the earth's rotation and, and, and then reversed it and rotated it back. And, and you could see the shadows, you know, going backwards instead of forwards. As a sign to his to, to Jehoshaphat, I believe it was Jehoshaphat. Pretty sure it was, and uh, he he asked for a sign, so God gave him a sign. He just turned the clock back. He was back. <laughs> Amen. And then you know God, you know God's so he's he's so much God that he could even put you in two places at the same time if he wants to. I've heard of that happening. I, I've heard of heard of a guy preaching in his pulpit here in Florida down around Bradenton area. He had a church down there, and he's preaching in his, in his pulpit, and all of a sudden he shows up in Jerusalem and preaching in a church in Jerusalem at the same time. And he was literally and physically in both places, but nobody could figure out how that happened. <laughs> you see, there's a whole lot of things that go on that you don't hear about because people are afraid to talk about them. Uh, I've got a friend that says, you know, if it really happened, the, the, the news media would have picked up on it and reported it. Oh, no, they don't report everything. How many have figured that out by now, that the news media can't be trusted? They can't be trusted to report the news. If they do report on it, they always mess it up. They always get the facts wrong. And so, you know, yeah, we just have to, you know, be believers in
God, and once you believe in God and believe that God is God, then you know He's the Lord and Master over creation, and He can do it. He can do anything He wants. God does not have to follow the laws of physics <clears throat> or the laws of nature. Hence, the virgin birth. Amen. How, how much proof do you need? And so you know, and we do believe in that. So Revelation one chapter one, chapter one verse four is. Uh, uh, Jesus appearing to John, and John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come. Now, that's Jesus who is present in all ages, all time. He was, he is, and he is to come. You can't confine Jesus to a time frame. Amen. <laughs> and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, we all believe that, right? And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Glory and dominion belongs to him forever. Everybody say forever. forever. Amen. It says amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And th this is a future event. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Every eye will behold him when he comes. And those that pierced him are going are to wail. And all the kindreds of the earth will wail because of him. In other words, he's, uh, he's going to get their attention when he comes. Even so, amen. And here's, his here's what Jesus says about himself. I am Alpha and Omega. Now, those are Greek letters. The Greek alphabet starts with A or Alpha and ends with Omega. We would, ours ends with Z. But the Greek alphabet in, starts with alpha and ends with omega. In other words, Jesus says, I'm A to Z. Yeah. I'm the beginning and I'm the ending. And, he says, and then he says it again. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. So Jesus is Lord of all time. He's Lord of all ages. He was at the beginning, he's at the end, and he's everywhere in between. Jesus is all in all. And time, he is the master of all time. He's not just the greatest master who ever was. He is the master of every was, is, and will be. You cannot go anywhere in eternity, beginning, ending or in the middle, and not find him there. He is the ever-present God. Jesus says. He existed before he was born in Bethlehem to Mary. He pre-existed that day. He existed from the beginning as the Word of God, which was God and couldn't be separated from God. But he was, he was sent by God 
to take on human form that he might save us from our sins. And once that was accomplished, he rose again three days after his crucifixion and ascended back into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God and was given a name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's what? Lord of all. He's Lord of all time and he's Lord of all things. He's Lord of everything material. He's Lord of everything spiritual. He's Lord of heaven, he's Lord of earth, and he's Lord of the underworld. Everything that exists, he made it. And he's the master and owner and controller of it all. God the Father has delivered all authority into his hands. Revelation 21, getting towards the end of the book, Revelation 21 verse 1 says this, And I saw a new heaven, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now this is a future event. In the future, the old heaven and earth is going to pass away. A new heaven and earth will be created. And it's not going to take billions and billions of years. It's going to, you know, it, it won't take God, you know, six days. However long he wants to take, God can speed it up or he can drag it out. I think he's going to speed it up. And, and in the new heaven and the new earth, there won't be any sea. There won't be any uh, land covered up by oceans. It'll all be use, very usable land. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. God's going to move Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, his headquarters. He's going to move it to the earth. And he, God, is going to dwell in the new earth with us. He's coming and setting up his his uh, headquarters on the earth in the New Jerusalem. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. You okay with that? No more death. No more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, and he that sat upon the throne said, now who's this? Who sits on the throne? Jesus. He said, he, said, he that sits on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. That's how I know it's Jesus. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely, and he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's, that's all coming. 
All of that that I read there, Revelation 21, 1 through 7, it's all in the future. None of it has taken place yet. And it could happen. It could happen this year. Or at least begin to happen this year. But that's what we have to look forward to. And the same, the same God who was God in the beginning is going to be the God in the end. All the times and seasons are in his power. Look at Isaiah 43 and verse uh, 19. Isaiah 43, 19. I was praying one day, just in the church praying, and the Lord dropped this scripture into my heart. And told me not to ever let the past determine the future. Because he is Lord of the past, but he's also Lord of the future. And Isaiah 43, 19, he says, well, look at verse 18. Can you back it up to 18? Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. In other words, forget the past. Verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? That's a question mark. God says, I, I'm going to do a new thing now. And it's just going to spring forth. In other words, it's going to happen quickly. And he says, shall you not know it? Which tells me you could miss it. You could be oblivious to what God is doing. You could be so dense and dull spiritually that God does this new thing and you don't even notice. Or you can be looking for it, eyes wide open, saying, Lord, you, whatever you're going to do, I ain't, I'm not going to miss it. I want to see it. And you could prepare yourself for it. He says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons, the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. God, God is assembling a people that he's going to do mighty things for that will produce a, a praise in the earth unto his name. Amen? Even if he has to make rivers in the desert, waters in the wilderness, and, uh, you know, God's able, to, God's able to change the very face of the earth, if necessary, for his people. Amen? There's, there, there are places in the world where major rivers are drying up. The Euphrates River is drying up. I've seen pictures of uh, before and after. You know, before it was this mighty river flowing with water, and now there's just barely a trickle going down the middle of a dried-up riverbed. And uh, there, no one knows why. Well, it was prophesied. In the scripture, that in the end times, that river would dry up. Well, it's dry. But God's able to make a river in the Sahara. He, he's able to make 
a place in the Sahara Desert that flows like the Euphrates used to. And he said, I'll do it for my people. He said, I'll do it, I'll do it for my people so that m my people, my chosen, who I formed for myself, will manifest or show forth my praise. That's our calling. Our calling in these end times is to, is to be God's people that God does things for so he can receive praise and honor and glory. Are you willing to be those people? Amen? Uh, look at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Now, y'all all know who Daniel was? He was uh, captured by the Babylonians and taken captive from Jerusalem as a young man and taken into a foreign land where God blessed him, promoted him, and he became a governor in Babylon. But not without controversy and not without trials and tribulations. But he remained faithful to God. He Daniel, there's a scripture that says Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. He was fully devoted to God even in a horrible situation. They turned, they, they, they turned him and the other young men that were captured with him, they turned them into eunuchs. So they were never able to marry or have children. I mean, it ruined their lives. And yet, because of their faithfulness to God, God promoted Daniel and Meshach and Abednego and Shadrach. He, he promoted them, and they became rulers in the land that they were held captive in. Talk about being there. You know, if you just be there and be faithful to God, God can promote you even in the worst of situations. Listen to what Daniel said in verse 20, Daniel 2, 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, he sets up kings, he gives wisdom to the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Now, just from this description of God, don't you want to hang with God? Don't you want to draw nearer to God? Because God understands everything, and nothing's hidden from him. He knows the deep secrets, and he dwells, you know, he, he, he knows what is going on in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. He shines the light on it. But he's able to change the times and seasons and remove kings and take kings down. We're going to see him do that this year. 2023. He's going to, he's going to knock some people's heads. They have mocked him. They have uh, laughed at him, scorned him. They have violated all of his rules and all of his laws. And they have, they have uh, turned people against him. And they are evil. And he's going to remove them and set up new ones. I believe this is the year where we're going to see it with our own eyes. And we got to understand, wisdom and might belong to him. Wisdom, he knows what to do. And he has the power to do it. And he'll change, he can change the times and the seasons. He could make January 
like the middle of the summer. And he can make the summer like the middle of the winter. <laughs> he can change the seasons. He can turn the tables on men. So men think they got things under control. They think they're winning. They think, they're, they think that uh, their power is just getting greater. You know, the rich are getting richer and all that kind of stuff. Well, their wealth is laid up for the righteous. And so I believe, I believe in this year we're going to see with our own eyes the wealth of the wicked being converted into the hands of the righteous. And uh, that means us. I believe we're going to get our hands on some of their money. Because it's really not theirs. They've stolen it. Bankers don't create wealth. They just steal it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Governments don't create wealth. They just steal it. <laughs> you say, well, our government just prints more money and more money all the time. Yeah, but they're not making wealth. They're making us poor by doing that. They're making our currency worth nothing. But God, who has all wisdom and might, knows how to turn it around for our good. And I believe everything that the enemy has done and is doing, God's not only able to stop it, but he's able to reverse it and flip it over and make it a blessing to the righteous. And you watch. We're going to begin to see it happening, even, I believe, even this year. Amen? And, and there's your scripture for it. Look now in Acts chapter 17, verse 23. Paul is the, in Athens. That's Greece. And he's, he's uh, looking at all their altars and all of their false gods and all their monuments. And uh, he, he makes this statement to them, Acts chapter 17, verse 23. He says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. I mean, here you are ignorantly worshiping a God, you don't even know who it is. Well, I know him. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about him. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, and neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. See, they would bring food to their, to their gods and lay food out. You know, and then the rats would come and eat the food, you know, because, you know, these statues aren't going to eat the food. But, you know, they, uh, and they would come and polish their idols and all that uh, to keep them from getting, uh, you know, mildewed and mold and fungus all over them. And, uh, you know, they had, they had to maintain their gods and their temples because their gods couldn't even sweep the floor. <laughs> and he's saying, he said he doesn't need anything. Seeing he gives to all life and breath and things and all things, and he's made, one, made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, 
though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day. Everybody say, a day. In which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Now, who is that man? Jesus. All right, Jesus is the only one God raised from the dead. And he, he says he's, he's appointed that man, ordained that man to judge the whole world. So don't think it's not going to happen. Amen? The times are in God's hands, and God is right now, this is a time, Paul is saying, where God is commanding all men everywhere to repent. Yes. That's right. Well, if it was then, it even more so now. God is, God is speaking to every man on earth right now, repent. Yes. Change your mind, change your heart, change your ways, change your direction. That's, that's a message that we have to give to the world. It's time for you to change your mind. It's time for you to change your heart. It's time for you. God says it's time for you to make up your mind. Because judgment day is coming. There is a day and it's coming. So uh, God has timed everything uh, with that in mind. Everything in God's schedule is headed towards that day. Everything God is doing is, 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 is rushing us towards that day. That day of the Lord is coming. And we are coming upon it really fast. I grew up out in the West Texas plains of the Texas Panhandle. And there's certain places where you can stand out in the field and you can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. It's glorious. You can watch the sun come up in the eastern horizon and watch it all day long and watch it set. And there's nothing in the way to block your view. Not a tree, not a house, nothing. Not a mountain or a hill. You can watch it from sunrise to sunset. And then all night long, you can, watch, you can watch the moon come up, the stars move over. You don't have the light pollution. You don't have the dirt pollution. I mean, it's just, it, it, I mean, you can get close to God out there. But when you're driving down the highway, you can see the end of the road for miles away. You can see, the, you can see this tiny little red dot. It's a stop sign. You can see it. It's, it's way out there. You know, it might be miles away. But you can see it. And you're driving along, you know, 70, 80, 85 miles an hour. Out in Texas, you know, the speed limit's 80. You can drive, man, you can just, you can just pedal to the metal. And that little, little red dot just seems so far away. But after a while, you know, it starts getting larger and larger, larger and larger and larger and larger. Until suddenly, 
you're upon it, and you close those last few feet really fast, and you're, even though you saw it way back there, it surprises you how all of a sudden you're there, and you're slamming on the brakes so you can stop before you go across the highway and get run over by a Mack truck or something. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there where you just, you're watching that stop sign, and then when it does finally come time to stop, it seems like a surprise to you? That's the way, that's where we are in time, folks. We've been looking at the end, so for all our whole lives, we've been looking at the end. The end is near. I've been, I've been hearing sermons like that my whole life. When I was growing up in Pentecostal church, every, almost every prophetic word started with, Behold, I cometh quickly. <laughs> Behold, I come soon. And, uh, and that, that really got into me, into my heart. And, and I, I, was, I was living a panicked life because I, I, didn't re I didn't think I had much time. So, you know, I got saved when I was 12, filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 14, started preaching when I was 16, skipped my high school year, and went to college when I was 17 because I didn't think I had time. I thought, man, if I'm going to, I got to get through here and get out there and do something for God because, behold, he's coming quickly. And I got married when I was 19, started pastoring full-time my first church when I was 21. I was in a hurry, people. Now looking back on it, I'm thinking, well, what was the bigger hurry, you know? I could have slowed down and enjoyed high school more. I could have slowed down and enjoyed college. But no, no, I took, I took night classes, summer classes. I, I, I got into college and out of college. I, I went in when I was 17. I was out when I was 21 with my degree. I was in a hurry. I could have made better grades if I'd slowed down, you know. I could have, you know, I, maybe I could have built something, you know. And when I got married, maybe I could have had a house and, you know, a nice job. But no, you know, I drugged my wife. And, you know, I got married ha halfway through college. And so, you know, we were, we were working and going to school and trying to, trying to make a life together. But I was in a hurry. Why was I in a hurry? Because I believed the prophecies. Were they wrong? Well, you know, I began. To, I, I've learned that you have to uh, you have to take things, um, you know, in the right perspective. But man, I was I was I was ready for the rapture, and I've stayed that way. I've stayed ready for the rapture my whole life. Well, I believe that stop sign is coming up. And when it happens, there are going to be a lot of Christians not expecting it. One night I was driving through New Mexico with my family, and it was after dark. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden I see this stop sign, and it's waving in the wind. And I thought it was for me, and I'm out here on this highway out in the middle of New Mexico. I mean, there's nothing around. And I see this stop sign, so I slam on the brakes. And my whole family, they were sleeping in the car. They all wound up in the floorboard. I mean, they were like, in the, they were not, I mean, they're laying down, you know, that out of their seat belts. They were just, you know, snoozing away. And all of a sudden, I see this stop sign slammed on that stop sign, and in the floor they went. Come to find out, 
it was a stop sign for the oncoming traffic, but the wind had loosened it, and so it would it would turn to me, and it would turn back, and it would turn to me and turn back, and uh, it wasn't my stop sign at all. So I stopped for nothing, and I skidded that that car skidded, went went kind of sideways and skipped a little bit. Of course, I was half asleep, so you know. What do you do when you're half asleep and you, and you got a bright light in your face? You think because you think you're going to hit somebody head on, so you slam the brakes, right? Well, that's what's going to happen to a lot of Christians. They're not going to know what to do. It's going to come up so suddenly they're they're going to they're going to be thrown into the floorboard or out the windshield. Don't let that happen to you. Be looking. Be expecting. Be always expecting because 2023 is a time in our life that is planned, controlled, and executed in the perfect will of God. And you've got to believe that. Look at Romans, uh, uh, Romans 8, 26. Now, I'm skipping over some scriptures because I see what time it is. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Did you know you've got, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you that knows what time it is? And he knows the will of God. He knows what God wants you to do with what time you've got left. And forget about what you've been doing. Every day we should get up and ask for new marching orders. Forget about how you've lived your life in the past because it's a new day. He said, I'm doing a new thing. Who will know it? And so the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to reveal. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Boy, some big words here. So we, we've got, we've got uh, the word conformed. We've got the word predestinate. We've got the word justified. We've got the word glorified. There's a progression here. He calls you. He chooses you. Then he makes he, he justifies you, makes it as though you've never sinned, and and he calls you, and he prepares you, and then he glorifies you or he promotes you. But he says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's for us, who can be against us? Some people are worried about all these eighty seven thousand new IRS agents, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you could send the armies of the world against us, and they would fail if God is for us. So don't worry about who's against you. Just think about who's for you. 
If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us his best up front. Jesus was his best. And if he would give you Jesus, then why would he withhold some lesser thing from you? You know, he's just, you got to think logically. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. See, our, our Lord is alive. That's right. He's risen again. And he's even at the right hand of God, he says here, who also makes intercession for us. What does that mean? It means he gets, he gets involved in what's going on in your life as your intercessor. He talks to the Father about you, and the Father always gives Jesus what he asks for. So this is successful prayer. This is, Jesus is a successful intervener in your life. When he comes to the rescue, you get rescued. He didn't get there right after they've killed you. Well, man, if I hadn't been for that stoplight, I would have. No, he's, he's always on time. He makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? And these are rhetorical questions, by the way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or the Democrats, or the judges. No. It says, as it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's what was written, but here's what he says to it. No. Nay, it says nay. Nay to what was written. We're not sheep killed for the slaughter. He says nay. That's horse for no. Nay. In all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe Jesus is Lord of all, and he's master of everything, and you surrender your life into his care, then you need to trust that he's going to take care of you. He's not going to drop the ball. Oh, and by the way, one of the first things the enemy will tell you is you don't matter to him. You're not important to him. And that's a lie. There is no such thing as a person that God does not care about. He does care about you. You do matter, and you are significant in his plan. So he'll take care of you. Amen? Yes, sir. So the question is, and it was brought up in one of the songs we were singing, 
The, the question is, what are you willing to do now to ensure that you don't miss that stop sign, that when it, when it comes, you'll be ready for it? Foot on the brake, you're ready, you're ready to apply the pressure because you know it's coming and you know who's in control. Amen? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to pay to draw closer to God in this season? Because it's a new season. It's a new year. But it's also a new day. It's, it's a day that God's going to cause His plans to spring forth. Are you expecting it? You say, well, Pastor, you know, that's the kind of sermons you preach every January. Well, you know what? They don't make them not true. <laughs> it's just that we're closer to the end than we ever have been. And this could be the year. Amen. Praise God. We're going to have communion now, and we're just going to commit ourselves to being a part of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus so that when, when, when He moves, we move. When he, when he says, come up here, we'll all go up together. Amen? Praise God. This could be the year of the rapture. It could be the year of your home going because no one's guaranteed, you know, we all waiting for the, the rapture of the church, but while we wait, the Lord comes for people individually. So I think you should be more concerned about your individual departure. Amen? And in that spirit, you know, get your heart ready right now. Be ready. Be ready to go at any moment. People are slipping into eternity every day. I was watching, uh, I was looking at something on the online about celebrities who passed away in 2022. And it listed all these celebrities. Some of them I never heard of. They weren't celebrities in my book. Some of them were notables, you know, people that we've followed, you know, entertainers and sports figures and politicians and things. But no one on that list, there was not a single person on that list that I knew personally. I don't know very many celebrities. <laughs> and those, those that I have met, it was like you know a handshake. They, don't, they wouldn't remember me if their life depended on it. In most people's celebrity book, I'm a nobody. A no-show. But I do know that I matter to God. I do know that every one of us is significant in His book. And the, the death of the righteous is considered a precious thing to God. An expensive, costly thing. When one of His people passes from the earth because he needs us here he needs us here and he needs us working he needs us to be active but every day some somebody slips on goes to the other side and it's not a tragedy because they go to heaven praise God for that and you don't know when your time is going to come 
I've done as many funerals for children, babies, as I have for senior citizens. And over my life in ministry, I've done as many funerals for young people and babies as I have for old folks. There's no guarantee. So what you do today matters. Amen? You matter and what you do today matters. So let's, let's partake of the body of the Lord Jesus. This wafer represents the body that God prepared for him so that he could come into the world and give his life and sacrifice that body for our sins, but also to bring healing and deliverance to us. The Bible says that with his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. There is physical and emotional and spiritual healing in the body of the Lord Jesus. There are things that he suffered in his body that he is not willing for us to suffer. Why would we suffer for something that he paid for us to not suffer? So any sickness or disease or weakness or infirmity that is in your body, it's not his will. He's made provision for it to be healed. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying right now that Brother Harold be healed, even, even though he's not here. He is here because he's committed to this body. And we're just going to receive healing for Harold, but also for others. Whether you're here or not, God's able to reach out and touch you. And we're going to receive healing now for our bodies as well as our minds our relationships, anything that's broken can be put back together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive it in Jesus' name. And then the blood, of course, is what washes away our sins. But it's also what brings us into a new covenant with God that's established on better promises than the covenant Abraham and Moses and those guys had. Can you believe it? Can you believe it that we've got it better than Abraham, Moses, and David, and Isaiah, and all those guys, you know? I mean, this is better than anything you can enter into. It's like a fraternity with benefits. Amen. I know people, they give, they give their whole lives to the Lions Club or to the Masonic Lodge or to other little different, the Moose, Moose Lodge, whatever that is, Daughters of the Revolution, things like that. <laughs> they don't have near the benefits that being a member of the body of Christ does. You need to come out of those failed things and come into something that works. This is eternal. Amen? The blood of Jesus entitles you to an inheritance that is divine. Amen. Truly divine. Everything that belongs to God is now yours because of the blood. Let's receive it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that seals our inheritance and our destiny and washes us and covers us and protects us from any evil that is in the world. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Let's drink together.